And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. On Canberra Live with Leon Delaney. Money Matters with Luke Smith from Envision Financial Services. Well, I think we should change the name of the segment now, Luke Smith from Envision Financial, <laughs> because uh, we should name it the same as your book, Smart Money Strategy, every yep. Friday afternoon right here on Done. 2CC. Smart Money Strategy. Works for me, Luke mate. Smith. Yeah, that's, I think, that's the way to go. Um, Works for me. Of course, um, I wasn't here last week, so we haven't had a chance to talk about your new book no. uh, since it's come out in the stores. Thanks very much for leaving a copy on my desk. No dramas. I've, I've already read the first 53 pages. I've got a little way still to go. <laughs> I was surprised, actually. It's funny you say that. I was surprised how thick it was. Because when you type something on the computer and you edit and edit and edit and edit, until you actually go and see the size and, and, and the print copy, mm. I was actually surprised myself how thick it was. Do you happen to know how many words are in it? Um, no, but I know there's <laughs> – I think it's just over 400 pages. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's so, a, it's a chunky book. It's solid, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's got a bit of detail in there. Uh, and that's the important thing, of course. Uh, mm. it's, uh, it is detailed and it's following a logical progression, starting uh, with the very basic foundations of mm. how people think about money, what their feelings are about money and yeah. how that can influence your investment decisions. Yeah, look, very much so. I think to sort of build a foundation of – understanding of where your philosophy of money comes from and the influences that you have as a child growing up and the people that you're exposed to over your working life that sort of sets the tone for some of the key principles and then we go into talking about how you can stack strategies on top of each other so regardless of the age you are your stage of life your work in career anything that you have happening it really gives you the ability to build stacks that are relevant to mm. your right now and potentially you in the future. Now, you talk a lot in the book about stacking your strategies, and this is a concept that you've developed over the mm. years. Uh, obviously, people talk about their financial strategies, but the way you talk about it is that you have lots of different strategies and you can integrate them all together into your master plan depending on what your personal circumstances are. Exactly, and that's the really nice thing about we tried to write something that would be useful for everybody at everybody's different stage of working life. And I think that's the key thing. We've talked about the individual strategies. What is it? How does it work? The do's, the don'ts, and then some sneaky little strategy tips that help you sort of eke out maximum return for that particular strategy. It could be the timing of using it or what it goes well with or, for example, making a super contribution could be funded as we've talked about in other shows by using a pension so now we start to bring in that stacking sort of concept where if you sort of come at things in a logical order and have a good foundation to build on they now start to stack on top of each other and really get some momentum which is which is really powerful mm. And of course, some strategies might be suitable for some people, but not others. And that's why you need to consider the strategies in the context of your own personal situation. That's right. So everybody can take advantage of the individual strategies at a point in their life. It may or may not be relevant for you. So you might have a stack of strategies for a younger couple that have just got together and they want to understand a budget, find out what they can put into super, use an offset account and maximise their loan repayments. You jump forward 10 years, the kids are a little bit older. Now we need to think about school fees. We've got better income, so now we might be able to save more. Are we now using catch-up concessional contributions 
plus personal contributions, and then we're using an offset account to fund them. So each of the individual strategies can be pulled together to form a new developing stack as you move through your working life when your cash flow changes, your expenses change, and your attitude towards things change. Because I find as people start to get a little bit older and a little bit more sensible, and that oh, hang on, retirement's not that far away now. Their focus starts to shift significantly to how can I build my super? Mm. How can I use strategies to maximize cash flow? Whilst also saying to me in the same sentence, I'd love to do less work. I'd love to go part-time. Well, we'd all love that. Exactly right. <laughs> so, you know, it's about understanding the resources that you have and then taking the individual strategies and building out your stack so that you can use them to maximise the probability of you attaining the outcome that you're after as you move forward and into retirement. And then even in retirement, what are some of the things we can do? Like withdrawal and recontribution strategy can be great for the next generation because we can eliminate death tax to a large extent by using that strategy, even though you have retired, even though you are taking tax-free money out of a pension. There are little things that you can do and top and tail those strategies to really benefit the next generation and mitigate tax there too. So it, it, you're always trying to build and learn and build and learn, execute, execute review, execute review and, and keep building the stack that's relevant for you. Now, uh, just a few moments ago, you used that dirty six-letter word, budget. And it's interesting because at the beginning of the book, you talk about the five foundational principles of managing money. And principle number one is respect your income mm. and number two is understand your spending mm. and when you put the two of those together what that adds up to is actually having a budget isn't it yeah and, and i guess we try to use a little bit of smoke and mirror to get away from the perception that a budget is a dirty thing anyone that knows me right i'm, I'm good for a pair of shoes at a moment's notice <laughs> all right i'm happy to admit that and i'm pro anybody doing that within reason Yet, as you say, dirty word budget, a lot of people jump to, he's going to want me to live in a tent and eat beans. Not, not on your life. But as a proportion of something, having an understanding of what is spare then accelerates us into different individual strategies and potentially a better stack because you know what you can work with. You know the resources that you have at your disposal. And what does that open up in relation to deductible contributions, savings for an investment property, maximise an offset account, access money to make a non-concessional contribution to super. So whilst you don't even realise, I think if we looked at a budget and said, this is leverage for a greater stack, I think we'd have far more participation and less pushback because we're going towards something positive, not avoiding something that's perceived as negative. Yeah, people do have this negative attitude towards the word budget and you've pointed out in the book that a lot of people consider it in the much the same way that they would consider the word diet when it comes to oh, trying, trying to lose weight. And, and 100%. Both words obviously have a bit of a bad rap in society but really at the end of the day both words mean something that's positive and useful and it's a tool that you use to improve your life. Exactly and, and I think that's where I try to sort of get people to think about the principles and the philosophies that are the foundation of why you do things. Yeah. You, don't, you don't feed your kids because you have to. You feed your kids because you love them. Um, but when you, you come from that positive starting point, I think people can really get over that hurdle of it being bad. And, and I find I say to people regularly now, as they get a little bit older, working is a resource 
to fund the things you want to do because you've removed the I must or I have to. And people start to look at two or three days a week of work as a really positive thing, even though they might have been a little bit tired doing 50, 60 hours. If you've only got to do two or three days and know, right, that funds three months holiday next year, your attitude towards doing something is far more positive and you can get greater reward and greater leverage out of the things that you do and the time that you spend doing them. Now, when we talk about specific strategies, and you do have a, a lot of material in the book, mm. clearly a lot of that also depends on the the laws, the regulations, the rules as they're drawn up in this country. So uh, obviously the book, I assume, is written particularly for an Australian perspective in terms of how things work in the regulatory framework here in Australia. 100%. That's right. So if we tried to sort of address different rules in different countries we would have spent another six years writing the book um because as soon as we you get the book out or even prior to getting the book out the rules had changed yeah so we we actually had to evolve the information in the book a couple of times because of the frequency with which legislation was moving in the super world um that was quite challenging um and it will always have the general principle and, and an application going forwards what we may see going forward is just the numbers get a little bit tweaked and it might not be 110,000 for non-concessional. It might be 120. Yep. It might not be 27,500 for deductible. It might be 30,000. If it was up to me and I was in the Labor Party, I'd have concessional limits at 100,000 like they were in 2000. You know what I mean? Because I think people's ability to fund themselves in retirement, especially over the age of 50, becomes really the key priority that, that I'm seeing to try and achieve that peace of mind that people are after. So... Knowing your options, and, and the primary reason we wrote the book was, I just want people to know what's available. Because someone coming in and sitting down and having a chat and, and learning these things, you can see them look at you and they'll say to you at some point in the meeting, so I should have been doing this like six years ago? And you go, yep. Oh. And there's a pause. Yeah. And you can see the cogs turning in their head metaphorically speaking, of all the money they may not have saved mm -hmm. because of said strategy. And that is really what I'd want to try and avoid for anybody because I'm a big advocate of do a little something a little sooner. You don't have to go bonkers and hurl your money into super. You don't have to go out and buy a million-dollar investment property. You don't have to you know, do a range of different things. But just actively do a little something a little sooner because time is your friend but if you have a good budget, you know exactly how much you can throw at that little something a little sooner. So again, it should be seen as a positive to create opportunities, not a negative to impact your lifestyle, and which it, it, it shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly right. So who would you say you've actually written this book for? Did you have a target audience in mind? Anybody with a full brain <laughs> that is actively interested in maximising the control of their wealth accumulation and peace of mind in retirement. And, and I say that broadly because whether you're 26, 56, 66, you can do things that can have a significant improvement on your retirement assets, your cash flow, and the ability to build a resource pool that can live and fund the way you want to live going forwards. And that might be some rent from a property. That might be a pension from super. That might be two days a week working at Bunnings. Whatever it is that you want to spend your time doing, COVID has taught people that doing nothing is very difficult. 
it's also taught people that you got married for love, not for lunch. And your spouse may not want to see you seven days a week to keep your marriage alive. So, you know, think about that because everybody have different routines and everybody wants to do different things. And I'm always hard pressed for someone to tell me that really you, you couldn't work two days a week and earn 30 grand. You need seven days to do nothing. Because if you earn $30,000 working two days a week, that's the equivalent of having $600,000 in super yep. at 5%. Yep. And I give people a choice. Work two days a week and earn me thirty grand, or save me 600000 which is easier. Well, so, it's, and the question answers itself, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. But and, again, and, and on this matter of, of your ability to earn an income, of course, you've, you've pointed out something else that I guess should be relatively obvious, but most of us don't stop and think about. Mm. And that is this. Everybody dreams about or say they want to be a millionaire, mm. but if you look at the income that you earn across your working life, uh, you're actually making about $3 million across your working life if you're, yeah. on the, if you're an average earner. 100%, yeah. And, and that's where I want – we talk about respect your earnings. You know, because you, your earnings underpin everything that you do. And, and, you know, we talk about some risk strategies in the book. And, and a good analogy I use for risk strategies is, you know, I say to most people, if you had an ATM in your, in your lounge room and it spat out $200,000 a year, would you put it on your home and contents insurance? Mm. And everybody goes, oh, 100%. Yeah. Yet in the same breath, they'll tell me they don't have income protection, which is exactly the same thing. Yeah. So it's about understanding what you're working with in your resources and then can I protect it? Because it still surprises me that people are shocked that you can insure your income and get a tax deduction for it. Mm -hmm. But again, if we can make people aware of these opportunities, we can help solidify that peace of mind they want leading into retirement. Okay. What's the best way for people to get the most out of your book? Aside um, from buy it and read it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, buy it and read it's a good start. Um, I, I think don't assume. And I think it, it's there to remove an assumption because assumptions can be very, very expensive and very, very dangerous because the water cooler talk can be very misleading. So read the book, highlight the things that are relevant for you now, and then remember that your stacks and your strategies will evolve with your working life. There are things you can do at the moment. There's things you can do later. But go into it with an open mind. Highlight the things that you like. There's a great big margin down the side. We've tabbed all of the areas as you fan the book open. So you've got retirement, you've got super, you've got all the various topics. You can jump to them quick. And if you leave my office, I've often I've, I've said this week, well, here, chapter this, chapter that, chapter this, go away and read that. And it just gives you that material to refer back to, to solidify your why and for you to remain engaged in a positive direction. What are the key things you'd like people to get from your book? Yeah, I guess the first one is get the facts. You know, we've laid out every strategy, what it is, how does it work, the do's, the don'ts, and then strategy tips on how to incorporate it with other things. We've then got the various stacks that you could have early in life, middle of your life, preparing for retirement, in retirement. So have a look at a stack and see if that feels right for you. Um, do a little bit a little sooner. I said it before the ad break, but I really think that is something that you don't have to go neck deep in something, but just actively make a decision. It might just be open a new bank account or get a second offset account and actively save some of your wages. And we talk about respecting your earnings and understanding where your, your money is going because that is the, the, the basis or the, the, the foundation that you want to build from. Because um, if you don't have a clear starting point, you could end up with a leaning tower of Pisa. You know what I mean? It'll hang on for a while 
and then one day it'll topple over because you didn't have a good foundation to start from. So work away from your assumptions. I find they're very expensive for people because they'll come into my office and say, I can only do that or I have to do this. And I go, why? Why have you got to do that? Because this is – and it might not actually be factually correct, but that's what they've been working on because – Jenny said that at work and, you know, Billy the Sparky said that on somebody's rooftop. But I don't take plumbing advice from a, from a gardener. You know, get your facts right. Use this book as your foundation of fact. Um, and, and remember that you don't have to go it alone. You know, we, we were on the Today Show on uh, Sunday and one of the things I, I highlighted there to everybody was this isn't an individual journey. Get some help. You know, I've got a group of maniacs around me. Um, and I lean on them when I need them, draw on their experiences, and, and, and they help me stay on track. Get a group of people around you that you trust. You don't have to engage professionals for everything, but you don't have to go it alone. You know. And I find if you have a, a group engagement or you have people that are on the journey with you, it might only be emotionally, but you're going to try and move forwards in a positive direction and stay engaged and not become disenfranchised. So get some people around you that you can lean on Um, whilst it's your journey, you don't have to go it alone like you're drudging through the Sahara Desert. You know what I mean? Get a team around you, use that to your advantage and learn from the book. Revisit it. Change your situation. Revisit it. See what you can stack together and really have that confidence to move in the right direction or just in conjunction with your existing advisor or prior to getting advice. Turn up with some great questions. Read some chapters. Hey, is this relevant to me? I understand this works like this. Can I use this strategy, Mr. Advisor? So you can get the most out of your time with somebody that is giving you the advice um, so that you're not going to something completely blind and becoming overwhelmed. Yeah, that's the uh, the other thing that uh, you stress quite early on in the book is that you can read the book and benefit from all of the information that's in there, but to get the most out of it, you might want to actually uh, work through it with a financial advisor yeah. and uh, discuss the content with your financial advisor and tailor it to your personal situation. So, Luke, we've reached that point where I have to ask you the most important question of all, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so 6260-4749 is the office number. We've got Envision Financial com.au we've got the podcast the strategy stacker that's on itunes and spotify we've got envision financial camber on youtube where we've got all the key takeouts of the show so you can watch that on your phone as my daughter says it's on the ticky tocker <laughs> right so we've got the tiktok handle the strategy stacker um and obviously we've got the book in dimmicks qbd harry hardhog um amazon and booktopia and it's it's actually quite nice to see uh number one on new releases in the in the financial sort of section of of amazon was was quite a surprise this week. So thanks very much for all the people that have jumped out and got a copy. Fantastic. Next Friday is Good Friday, but you'll be back in two weeks' time to talk about financial matters all over again.